0: Today on the show, we have Dr. Beth Delaney, Associate Professor of Nursing. Today's conversation is about her journey to Cedarville and how the Lord empowered her to support her husband through his substance abuse. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein.
1: Welcome back to today's Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein. and Today on the program, I'm talking with Dr. Beth Delaney, a person I would describe as being resilient in her faith. Beth is an associate professor of nursing, but is more than just a faculty member here. She is a person who is focused on loving people well, regardless of the situation they find themselves. You'll understand more about this as I talk with Beth on the podcast. By way of introduction, Beth Delaney's greatest quality is that she loves Jesus. In addition to her teaching role in Cedarville School of Nursing, she serves as a family nurse practitioner, focusing in the areas of oncology, palliative care, and hospice at Dayton Physicians Network. Prior to teaching, she dedicated over 20 years as a nurse leader at Miami Valley Hospital and Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center, the Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital. She left the James and joined Cedarville in 2012, and we're so glad she did. Beth, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the program to share your story.
0: Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a blessing to be here. You are a true brother.
1: Now, we uh, before we started recording, we, we are recording this uh, October first, which is really a significant day. Um, today is uh, Dr. Delaney's thirty-second wedding anniversary with her husband Greg. Thank you, thank you, so thank happy you. anniversary, Beth. You know, I was going to start the, the, the conversation talking about your professional life, but I, I have to pull that back a little bit and say, let's start here with, with um, your anniversary. So you've been married 32 years. You've known Greg for what, 39 years. You, yes. you, both, you both are Xenia High School uh, graduates. Tell me a little bit how you met Greg and uh, a little bit of your early years together.
0: Oh my gosh, that's funny because, um, well, in Xenia, uh, he went to the other middle school What kids that had a little bit more resource went. And so when he started to talk to a girl that was from the other school was like, what's going on with that business? We met in the summer. Actually, what's crazy is my childhood best friend had, you know, we were 15. We had, uh, they were kind of going together back in the day in the high school. And unbeknownst to me, we didn't see each other, my best friend and I for a week or so. And then Greg called me and said, hey, do you want to go to the football game? And I said, yeah, sure. Laura and I would love to. And he's like, uh, not Laura. I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, by surprise. I'm like, well, dude, I got to check this out with her before I say yes to anything. Checked it out with her. She's like, yeah, go ahead, whatever. And that was it. And we went to a Xenia High School football game. And that was the beginning of the story a long time ago.
1: 39 years ago.
0: Yeah, before I was in the summer before I became a sophomore in high school.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, were you guys believers back then, or is that a later part of your story?
0: Yeah, so, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked that. So I grew up in the United Church of Christ where my grandpa was an elder. My mom took me to church. I and My grandma were great, and my grandparents' great encouragements. Um, we went to Mount Zion and Beaver Creek, actually. And then my Aunt Greg grew up at Northside Christian Church in Xenia at Country Club Drive his family were very very integral in his in that church we started meeting we started going together and I used to go to youth groups at Northside and then we were in the puppet ministry together and my husband is not only great at so many things but he's a great singer he's a great orator he's funny he dressed well I thought, Mm, I think I like hanging out with him. And so that's how it was all started, the singing, all of it together. And we did that at church. And so that's where I would say I learned more about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus in a new way as a, in my late teens.
1: Well, that's a that's a great story about uh, your early years with Greg. It's um I understand you're really not going to celebrate, though, anytime soon because, <laughs> what, he's in Nevada right now?
0: He is. Yeah, we're going mean, to hopefully have some time together this weekend. We'll see. But um, he's had an opportunity to go out there and possibly help uh, create some faith-based um, resources for people in Nevada. So we can talk more about that if you'd like.
1: Yeah, what you guys are doing— in multiple facets is is amazing. We'll get to some of that in the the podcast. Let me transition to a little bit of your backstory, your early years and your adult years. You grew up in a home where your dad was an alcoholic, and ultimately he took his own life. Uh, This had to be very painful for you at that point, Uh, maybe even still today. Uh, Your husband had a drug addiction, and as a couple, you experienced bankruptcy. That's something that you don't hear very often in our, our world, although we know it happens. And then um, you were in a rising career at the James at Ohio State before some situations led you to resigning. With these as a backdrop, and when I think about these situations and reflect on past conversations that you and I have had over the past eight years, uh, you definitely embody, in my mind, James 1, 2 through 4, where we're told to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, Knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and let perseverance have its perfect work. So you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Can you briefly walk us through your childhood and early years with your husband Greg from the perspective of living by faith?
0: Wow, that is a lot, covers a lot of years, but I think if I could just first of all, thank you for saying those kind words about James. Um None of that would have been possible if it were not for the Lord. So um, my father was not always an alcoholic. He was run over accidentally by a semi-truck driver who fell asleep at the wheel, broke his back. And he started to try to manage the pain with that. At at that time, not as much was known about pain management and how he could do that in a successful way. So he Um, Started with pills, but that wasn't enough. And he transitioned to alcohol. There's alcoholism in his family. And then when I was in my late school age into teenage years is when alcoholism in my family became really rampant. Um, Lots of abuse, lots of just very difficult things for my mom, my brother, and I. And um, so when I think about Greg part of my story is that living through that when i would not even consciously really think about who i would be with eventually it was i don't want to go through what my mom went through and so that was in the back of my mind and so then i meet this amazing guy and he is like a church guy and he has so much to offer so i'm like yes yes that no no repeat what my mom went through and she did everything she could to um, raise my brother and I well. Fast forward, wonderful college careers, we get married, we have kids. Greg turns out to be a hugely successful international businessman, which we all knew. We all kind of all expected with all those traits. Yet, when the pressure was mounting, um, he, who we had never drank a drop into our late 20s. We were always like the designated drivers. When he started to get so successful that he would have um, award trips and be recognized, that's when he was reintroduced to alcohol in like kind of a party atmosphere. And if you hear him tell the story, he would say years later on a bad day, he learned how to cope with alcohol and that changed his life forever. That led us into over a decade of things deteriorating from not so great to bad to worse to where um we actually had bought business, a business we lost everything related to the alcoholism now he had been in and out of rehab here was the first thing that i would tell you this is the answer to your question mark people always ask me why did you stay with him well first of all when you think back to what the history that i told you part of our story is i always thought about him as my knight in shining armor when i met him in our early years man and to this day, he is my knight in shining armor. But whenever he would have those bouts, and people oftentimes don't realize that people have a substance use disorder have physical changes to their brain. And until you understand that, and understand that there's a physical component to substance use disorder, it's more difficult to understand why people continue to relapse. Substance use disorder has been defined as a relapsing brain disease. So there would be times where he would be clean and sober for weeks or months, and that was it. It was in those moments that i would see glimpses of that knight in shining armor and i'm like dude you're in there i know you're in there come out and stay here one thing was periodically i would see the man that i married which caused me to be able to move to the next time of sobriety little be known to me that the lord would start to grow my faith alongside of what was happening with him. And my journey is funny, particularly when you think about Cedar, but when I got that idea of a personal relationship with Jesus and I started to understand it when I turned 19 and got baptized in, at Greg's church, I love to learn. And people who know me know that that's true. And I started gobbling up everything I could get. Funny, if you ask Greg who I would leave him for, it will be Dr. Charles Stanley. And Dr. Charles Stanley oh turned 88 this week. And we have a running joke in our family because it was Charles Stanley and his, some of his contemporaries that really taught me about the Bible. And um, during that time where Greg was going crazy, I was learning more about the Bible. And what started to happen was times when I could not deny God's presence in my life because coincidences don't, just happen over and over again that I would know that the Lord was with me. If we have time, I'll tell you a story about that. I absolutely knew there's a pivotal moment in my life when I knew that God was real. And once you know that God is real, it changes your life forever. And so it was because of God's faithfulness and teaching and learning and knowing more about the Bible and understanding that I can have a personal relationship, which is still mind-blowing to this moment of the with the creator of the universe, is when I'm like, wow, okay, I can only do this with you because there were many days I wanted to quit.
1: And that, that leads me to a question that I was thinking as you were sharing this. And thanks for sharing that very um, sensitive st- information. Um, I guess I have a reason to thank Dr. Stanley. Uh, anytime a, a marriage is saved, that's always a good thing.
0: Okay, I got to tell you one other thing. Sure. When my daughter, my first daughter got married four years ago, we went to Atlanta so that she could go to the say yes to the dress salon down there. And unbeknownst to me, well, it was Christmas week. We had been in Orlando at Disney World. Greg had planned for us to go to Charles Stanley's church on Christmas weekend. So I actually heard him read the Christmas story five rows from him. After the service was over, of course I stalked him. And I, according to him, I don't know if this is truth or not, I said, can I take a selfie with you? I chased him out of the service, followed him around with his entourage. He said, Well, I've never had a selfie before. Yes, you can. And so to this day, it is one of my treasured selfies, me and Charles Stanley.
1: First of all, you do a great imitation of Charles Stanley. And second, second of all, does he know your story?
0: All I said to him when I met him for those few moments was Dr. Stanley. You have no idea. And it makes me cry. You have no idea how you've changed my life. And he said, oh, and he he hugged me. I said, no, you changed my life forever. And it's true. And so it was like there was a line of people, and I thanked him, and I said, thank you for what you do and for what you teach and for everything you've taught me. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're welcome. And then we took that selfie.
1: That's great. And where's the selfie today? Do you have it?
0: Yeah, I got it. I'll send it to you.
1: So as the... As a positive person as you are, encouraging of others, you're just so kind that way. Do you ever get discouraged for the many days that you live in the muck and the mire with people who are dealing with tough issues?
0: Of course. I'm a human. I can guarantee you. First of all, no one in my immediate family went to college. So I didn't even know about going to college. This whole thing that I sit here and talk to you at this point is totally God's providence. Because I didn't. My mom was a single mom. Like we didn't. She didn't go to college, nobody, I'm like, it didn't happen. I went into Wright State for my undergrad, forever grateful to a counselor that I don't even know who it was because it wasn't important at the moment, sitting in a biomedical engineering class, thinking I'm headed to med school because I love helping people. And Mark, I think you'll appreciate this. After about the fourth week in biomed class, I looked around and there was nobody really talking. I'm looking around and in this particular class, we're learning about catapults. And I'm thinking, hmm, I don't think these are my people. And, and so they weren't my people. So I went to the counselor's office at Wright State. And I said, you know, I just don't think that biomedical engineering is my thing. And they're like, that counselor, I can't, I don't know who it is. I wish I would because I would go kiss and hug that person right now. That person said, why don't you try nursing? I said, okay, and that is how it happened. And I know with every fiber of my being that I was meant to do this. But what I didn't know I was gonna be doing is was taking care of people with cancer, spending much of my career in, again, a huge blessing of helping to create a palliative care team at Miami Valley Hospital as the the first advanced practice nurse. Then working with people who have a serious illness and who are dying for so many years. In the last few years, Um, I've transitioned at Dayton Physicians Network to try to, so one of the things I've had the blessing to do at Dayton Physicians is to uh, try to help develop innovative programs and ideas to make things better for cancer patients. So survivorship is uh, one of the newer areas that I've been in, but for many years was in palliative care, hospice care, serious and terminal illness. And to answer your question with that background, When you stand at the bedside of thousands of people who have left this earth and go into eternity, you learn a lot of things. And you learn from my perspective, my observations are you learn what is important in life and what is not important in life. So, when I get in the muck and mire, honestly, this would be my closing statement of the podcast. What I have learned is what I have control over, which is not much. And what I do have control over is what Jesus says. What does Jesus command us to do? It is on my office wall at Cedarville University. He says, love God and love others. That I have control over every single day. So when I get in the muck and the mire, number one, I got to make sure I take care of myself physically. I have some physical issues that are annoying but manageable. So I got to get time away. I got to take care of my physical body with exercise. I got to take care of my... Nutrition. I got to do all the things that I know purposefully to try to feel better, and that helps me deal with the muck and the mire. I switch my attitude to loving God and loving others, and obey God and leave all the consequences to Him.
1: You have it all. You have it all covered there. So, you know the many situations that we outlined earlier and stuff that uh, you experience on a day to day. Do you see how God has taken one situation in your life? That you've had to deal with or wrestle through and as a result of that it leads to you being able to deal with something else down the road does that make sense oh yeah give me an example
0: all the time i think that as a human as a human and in the human experience again i mentioned earlier i love to learn true learning is about um taking your learnings and moving them forward And so, again, it's one of these things that my life is full of things I never expected, nor ever had like never expected some of the things that we would do. So Greg and I's journey, individual journey with substance use disorder, led us to be able to talk to other people who are maybe just experiencing for the first time substance use disorder what we learned. To their benefit should they. So when I think about all the things that I learned about in being um daughter and a wife of one struggling with substance use disorder and how I handled the first relapse to how I handled relapse five was different because once you understand it's a relapsing brain disease, you don't get into circular conversations over and over and over and over again. It takes too much energy. He's not going to remember anything. And so spending two hours screaming at each other, not probably productive. But if you don't understand those things, you might engage and continue to engage. Or in our society, oftentimes in our culture, if you don't understand about substance use disorder, we oftentimes live in a three strikes and you're out society where yeah, okay, you had a bad day and you were drunk. Okay, that's, I can let you, forgive that. Uh. Yeah, I gave you some money and you didn't pay it back. But if you do it to me again, I'm done. And once you have learnings about what's going on with those with substance use disorder, you can have a different perspective. And if you follow what Jesus says, you love God and love others regardless of what their behaviors are. It's not that you agree necessarily, but you love them. And we are all human beings on planet Earth are made in the image of God, and we can never forget that.
1: Yeah, and as you as you outline that story, I mean that takes me back to your situation with Greg. When you know people ask you why did you stay with Greg, that's that's why you stayed with Greg because you weren't getting into the the cycle of arguing with him. You were loving him well and trusting the Lord through the whole process. That's something that we can learn. We all need to learn, not just you and me, but people listening to this podcast and in our society. I mean, we live in a very broken society where we, we do we do keep score. We do keep a three strikes and you're out kind of mentality. And I think we need to move past that and live in a, in a perpetual element of grace. I think our, I know our society would be so much better if, if we could get there. And so you're a great model for that. God God is using you, though, to show to others how this can happen, and um, I'm thankful for that. I'm going to go back to your situation um, at the James that I alluded to earlier in the podcast. I believe you were on a fast track to becoming a senior leader at the Ohio State system, which is um, very impressive. But um, there were situations there where uh, you were— you were living out your faith that um, maybe didn't fit the culture at Ohio State very well, uh, and, and you probably were told to you know calm down your faith. Can you walk us through a little bit of that situation to get it, help us get an understanding of what was going on and how you dealt with the uh, confrontation of being salt and light in a very dark world?
0: I love my time at at the James. Love it when you're a cancer nurse <laughs> by blood. Um, Getting to an NCCN designated cancer hospital is a dream. So, um, yeah, going there, having opportunities there was crazy. Um, And the James knew that Cedarville University, Doctor Dennis Dennis Sullivan, had asked me to teach an ethics class and an end of life class online. And I said, of course. And I so I told my leader, I was a director at the time at Ohio State, and I said, I'm going to go do this you know extra and i'm going to teach this online class at cedarville but i need to go do an interview and so that i can um you know make that happen um and and they're like yeah sure sure great i'm like cool so i come to cedarville and i meet dean jan conway and dr chu yu wong in an interview because i had the interview and then they decided where i was going to be housed and all that stuff so they decided it was going to be the school nursing and we're in the middle of the interview, literally in the old engineering building, and Dr Dean Conway stops the interview midway through, and she just looks at me, and I said, she goes, "I'm just telling you God said you're going to be a full-time faculty member here." I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, "Wow, Dean Conway, I know the legacy of nursing at Cedarville, and I said to her." Dean Conway, it would be an honor to be part of the School of Nursing faculty because the reputation. I had seen and worked with Cedarville students my entire career at Miami Valley as preceptors, and so I got to know them that way, Cedarville that way. But she looked at, and I'm in my mind thinking about what's happening at the James and all those things. And she looked dead me in the eyes and said, dead to me in the eyes, and said, "Hey, are you a praying woman?" And I'm like, uh. Yes. She said, "All right then. You pray for a month and we'll see what God says." And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." And I'm thinking as I'm walking out of that interview, "Wow, that was interesting, but I'm pretty happy at the James. I don't think anything's going to change that." And that was it. But I did pray over the next week, and what happened in the next week to two weeks, and Dr. Pam Johnson can recall this, To this day, all of a sudden the Lord said, Beth, does the culture that you're in match what I have for you? And Greg and I were independently praying about what was going on, the situation, there was just a lot of things happening. And basically it took me to, wow, you know what? I don't know that it does. And he's like, okay, God, in my prayer time, Uh, you, uh, your director, you know, it's good. You can do all this, but I think I need you at Cedarville. I'm like, what is happening here? And it happened in the week, the few weeks right after I interviewed at Cedarville to teach the online ethics class as introduction with Donna Sullivan. Well, by about week five, six, I looked at Greg and I said, Greg, I think, and he almost finished the sentence to me. I think you're going to go teach at Cedarville, aren't you? And he goes, I said, yeah, I think I am. He goes, good, that's what I think you should do. Now, at the time, we're still, you know, um, I was the primary provider to our family because now God has an amazing work of recovery in Greg. And so it was like, okay, God, if this is going to happen, you got to do it all. And he did. And that is how. I came to Cedarville University, and it was an amazing journey. Totally God, and I'm so grateful for
1: it. I'm out of time on the podcast, but I, I do want to ask a couple of questions. One regarding palliative care and of life. You know, you teach you teach your students. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a seminar, webinar, uh, where you could teach even faculty and staff? Because you know, I'm I have older older parents. I just had a friend uh, from Xenia, um, a 91-year-old gentleman. His wife just passed away uh, on Sunday. And having the ability to really deal with that situation with these people could be helpful. Is that something ever in consideration?
0: Oh, Mark, we haven't talked about that, but I would love to do that. If faculty, I would love to do that. And um, it's something, I mean, in the community, I've done many times but never really even thought about it. what a great idea. That's a fabulous idea about um, having that available for faculty. Absolutely. Love doing that.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's the one really aspect where we all, we all will deal with, but we all feel uncomfortable and we don't know, you know, how to do it or what to say and it feels awkward. So yeah, maybe we'll talk offline about that.
0: That's a fabulous idea.
1: My last question, because we are out of time, is um, as you go through life, as you study Scripture, as you deal with COVID, um, what's the Lord teaching you right now?
0: Yeah, well, I almost said this earlier, and this is what I've learned in the COVID season. First, I do like getting away with the Lord. And um, when I'm too busy, that time is missed, and that has to be prioritized up in my life. My other big learning in COVID is that I accuse myself in the past of probably being too politically correct in my interactions with others historically. And you earlier said we have, you know, we have to operate in a season of grace, and I agree with that. But I also would say to in addition we would have to operate in a season of truth. And um, in the past, I would stay in my grace world, but be silent. And in COVID-19, the Lord has said, silent no longer. And so, how can I speak up with clarity, with love, with grace, and just in the Cedarville way? Be bold, but in the best way, and not. He can I mean and not not be bold and not share and oh my goodness I feel like the Lord has dealt with me He's like Beth I have showed you so much individually and how many times have you said to others that God is real But occasionally there are times where you can speak up for me and you haven't
1: mm-hmm.
0: I hope yeah. that I don't do that any longer oh,
1: that's and good. that's what I've
0: learned
1: That's that's a that's a good takeaway from this podcast and. Uh, I wish I had more time to talk to you about what's going on in your life and in your journey. But thank you for the time that you did devote uh, today. And uh, congratulations on your anniversary again. As I think about the many faculty that uh, I come in contact with on a regular basis, uh, you're one of the bright spots because you're so encouraging to people. And I, I um, thank you very much for that. And I just wish you the best. And uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for letting me be on. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear
1: another Cedarville story for God's glory.